Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Dennis, how are you? I'm fine, how are you? Very well, and welcome all to Villa Through the Years, Champions of Europe. How wonderful does that sound, Dennis? Uh, well, it always sounds good. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it was a great, from my point of view, having won the, having won the league the season before, it, it was just the icing on the cake, really. So, in a way, I, I, I feel... Uh, Proved to everybody that being champions in 80-81 was no fluke. And going on to win the Champions League or, well, the European Cup as it was then. You know, it was, it was, uh, it was, a, it was accomplished, you know, with very much the same players yeah, that had played in 80-81. And, you know, at the start of that season, if anyone thought that Aston Villa would get to the final and would win it, I wouldn't have thought there'd been too many because yeah. obviously I don't think we did. Yeah, yeah but it, there was a chance. Uh, there's always a chance, Paul, and uh, we took that chance, and everything worked out well in the end. Given the fact that England had had a really good record in in Europe, in the European Cup in particular, we had that stranglehold on it from '77 through to uh, 1982 and two scousers from the same school lifted it, which that will never, ever be repeated. But Aston Villa were at least the equal to either Liverpool or Nottingham Forest. I just think that with Villa and the perception of Villa, it was they only won the league in 81, and then they played uh, the European Cup. They had no internationals in the team. They were just a side from the middle of the country in Birmingham. But Saunders had developed a really good team, or you could argue certainly two teams, both in the, uh, the, the, well, Villa's team that went on and was more successful than the first team, in the image of the first team. But Villa had been knocking on that door for several seasons and had some fantastic players, Dennis. Yeah, I, I would agree, Paul. You know, we were... From, you know, we, we've spoken about it before, about yeah. the 76-77 the, the team. And, mm-hmm. and, how, and how, well, how they should have been more successful. Uh, but but, but we, never, we never reached the heights that I felt we would do, especially after that season. So, you know, you, we mentioned before as well about Ron building another team mm-hmm. in that model. Yep. And he did. He did. And you're right, you know... We, <laughs> I, I, you know, I think one of the difficult things is, is when people say Aston Villa, they wonder where it is. Yes. It's not like Liverpool or yeah. Nottingham. You know, you can easily pinpoint that on the map, mm. you know. But but when you look at Aston Villa, people will think, well, where is this team? And then it, I think the other side of it as well is that does it get recognised as being one of the, the first teams, you know, to form the fo- football you know, sort of leagues. Yeah. yeah. It's got such a it's got such a history. And and but that history I think was all before 
the war. Yeah. yeah. It was all before the wars, yeah. After the wars, there was the FA Cup win, you know, uh, with the Johnny Dixon team. Yeah. Uh, in, in 57, was it 58? 57. Anyway, yeah, yeah 57. And, and that was the last time, really, that you know, a big prize had been won. Because when you look at the big prizes, it's the FA Cup. It's yeah. winning the championship. And then, you know, the, the, the icing on the cake is winning a European trophy. Mm. Uh, so it never been done by us. But then again, you go, as you say, you go forward a couple of years and you see what Forrest did. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was just phenomenal, really where they came from at least when you look at villa you know you, you think about the history where with forest they don't have that history mm-hmm. that was associated to the football club yeah. so yeah you know people from our point of view or from you know a, a fan's uh, perspective of aston villa they, sh- they should have been winning more i suppose you know because it was it was a big club and obviously still is yeah uh so you know the recognition was was bypassing a lot of people, and I think as the years wore on, I think we seemed to drift out of people's vision mm. and minds about, oh yeah, Aston Villa once won the European Cup, yeah. But listen, we mm. know we're in the records books, we know we're in the history books. So uh, from our point of view, yeah, we will always be yeah uh, the greatest Villa side to have won the league and win the European Cup until. Another team, does he? I'm just going to do to you what Alan Hudson always does to me. I've got to correct you, Paul. You are the greatest West Midlands side that has ever played football since 1888. That's how magnificent Aston Villa, your achievement with your players, has been to win the league and then win the European Cup. I know teams win the Champions League now, but it's easier to win the Champions League because you don't have to play 42 league games to get into that tournament. You can finish fourth in your league. So for me, it's always been the more difficult trophy to win the European Cup. It's the defining champions of Europe. I I wouldn't disagree with you, Paul. You know, you, you said it. The way you know uh, any commentator like you, yourself would, because you understand the game, you understand the achievement. Yeah. As a player, sometimes you you try to sort of uh, sort of not knock it down, but sort of be a little bit more sympathetic about it. Yeah, you know, you don't want to overblow the achievement. But I think when you think forty years ago, yeah, that which is what it was. You know, this is. This like this season now, 81-82, this was the start of that that road to Rotterdam, as we we called it in our book that we brought out at the end of that, or in 20 years after it, when we we had a celebration. And uh, it's from that book where, you know, I, I think I've got some really good stories and quotes, you know, about the games that we played. Because when we discussed them, this book that was written for us by Rob Bishop, who uh, is a reporter who is, uh, does a lot of work for the Villa these days, but also is a great writer of books as well about, you know, in the Midlands. And Rob wrote this book uh, in in twenty in 2001 yeah, uh, to commemorate the, the road, and it was called The Road to Rotterdam. 
And it was a book that went out there. And for those people who got it, who got the book, you know, it really is a good read. But but you can't get it now, you know, unless you buy it off someone else or you find it somewhere where, you know, in a library or something. But it, it really is a good read because it, it tells a story, really, you know, of that road to Rotterdam. Uh, and it was, it was a long road, Paul, because you can imagine our first game was on the 16th of September. So, we're, you know, we're close to that now. So it's, a, it's an early start. And the last game, obviously, was the, the 25th, 26th. 26th of May, yeah. Yeah, 26th of May. Let me just get that right. 26th of May in Rotterdam. And in between that was a bit of a disastrous season in the league. Yeah. 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 So, something we could touch on. But obviously, obviously, the winning of the European Cup was the big thing for us that year. Let's just talk briefly about Rob. I mean, Rob's got a tremendous career uh, as a journalist doing stuff yes. for Aston Villa. He also did a piece, uh, Bishop's Buzz, in the Sports Argus that was always a very, very enjoyable read. The guy is an encyclopedia of football, particularly Aston Villa. And I just think 40 years on, he done it, OK, 20 years ago. I think the publishers should do a rerun and publish a load more books so Villa supporters of, of the more modern age can buy that book and read just how fantastic you guys were in those days because you're right it's a story that should be told it needs to be told there's also a BT documentary that's coming out or there was certain um there was certainly talks about that documentary being aired around about the 26th of May next year to commemorate the 40 years of your fantastic achievement. Is that still going to be coming out? I'll whisper this to you, Paul. Yes, so, please. You know, so so you can keep this one under your hat until next week. But okay. we're going to make a, 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 through the AV40 website, Yeah. Uh, we're going to make a, a, an announcement that we are at the moment doing that filming so we started uh, yesterday, we've done today and we're doing tomorrow. So what, what, what to do with this, Paul, is that we've got, we're going to be, there's going to, there's going to be 12 players who are going to get the face on, you know, in this, in this uh, documentary. And it's going to be on BT Sport. And as you say, it's going to be next May before the European final, the, Europe, the Champions League final. So, so far, we're doing about three players a day. So I've, I've, I was on yesterday morning, first off. Uh, Ken McNaught made his way down from Scotland yeah, to come and do uh, the second session. And Jimmy Rimmer came up from Swansea to do the third session. So that was the order yesterday. So all three of those guys, all three of us were... were, were we had lengthy talks with the guy who's, who's uh, in charge of it you know, something like about a couple of hours. So there's, there's going to be a lot of stuff that he's, he's going to collect and then he's going to have to turn that into a, an hour and a half, something like that, show. Mm -hmm. Today we had Alan Evans, who was, uh, who was up from uh, Court, uh, Devon. Gordon Cowens and Tony Morley then were uh, this afternoon. Tomorrow we've got Gary Shaw, Des Bremner and Kenny Swain. But so they're the nine that we've, we're going to sort of do this week. And then we're going to get Nigel Spink uh, later on in the year and Colin Gibson. 
uh, and also uh, Peter, and you can't miss Peter out because he scored the goal. Yeah. yeah. As you can't miss Nigel out. Yes. Yeah, because Nigel came on for his first ever game mm-hmm. playing in the first team. Yeah. In Rotterdam. I mean, you know, how many people would have come onto that scene? First game ever in the European Cup final. Yeah. And put in a, a fantastic performance. And, you know, that was the highlight of his, his career, that one. But uh, so, so, it, so there'll be 12 of us who'll be making a contribution to it. And it's, Good contributions as well, you know. Uh, the guy who's uh, doing the interview is he's very good. He's done a lot of research, you know. He asks good questions, but a lot of it, what he's he's coming from, you know, he, he's done his research and he's it, it's coming from you know publications that are out there, you know, that that have been written before. Yeah. And uh, and I gave him quite a bit of info from. Uh, I don't know whether you've ever seen it, but there's a bloke, uh, a, a a book. Uh, that Dave Woodall did, who uh, right. big, a big, a big fanzine writer. Yeah, no, you know, Dave. Uh, yeah, heroes and villains. You know, Dave. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I've I've read it quite a few times. You know, sort of when I've been talking to people, just to pick up one or two little snippets, and you know, and I, I sort of uh, I gave that book to the guy who's doing the interview and, and doing the research, and but but you know, I spoke to him about it and gave him some some ideas. You know, from Dave's book, uh, and I, I hope he won't mind us. You know, sort of uh, giving him a mention, uh, but it's it's his book called Champions, uh, oh, eighty one, okay. eighty eighty one, and it's a it's a month by month preview of the season. Uh, but he's got some really good stuff in it, and any Villa fan out there, yeah, who really wants to read about that season, I really think personally that's the definitive book to to get, yeah. So look out for that. It's Champions by Dave Woodall. Yeah, and, I will buy you know, that as well. Really good. Yeah, it's great. It really is a good book, Paul. You know, to read because it gives you everything you want to know from from a, a, a real big Villa fan. Yeah, a big Villa fan, massive Villa fan, and you know, and 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 it's uh, you know, I think Dave's been really honest in there as well. So it's well, it's well worth a read. Yeah, if you haven't got that one, so there's another one to get. Yeah. Dave. Champions by Dave Woodall and The Road to Rotterdam by Rob Bishop. Dave is a good lad, as is yes. Rob. There's also another couple of books I'm going to mention. Uh, Barton's Army that, that's coming out by Colin Abbott, uh, a friend of ours. Uh, Ticket yes. to the Moon by uh, yes. Richard Sydenham. And yes. also uh, a book written about Ron Saunders, The Odd Man Out by Graham yeah, Denton. Some great Villa books. You know, yes. and, and there's ju- they were just halcyon days for for Aston Villa but you're right I mean Dave has been about and you know his mate Percy I I, I know them two fellas from from way mm, back yes, when them as it's great memories um, the clocks are going back uh, shortly they go back in October and there's always a standard line from Birmingham City supporters that the clocks <laughs> are going back an hour on Saturday but for Aston Villa the clocks are going back to 1982 and that's mm. where we're going now, Dennis. We are going back to 1982. The season has 
he's just ready to kick off. You're doing your pre-season. You've previously done your pre-season before and thought, hang on a minute, we've got half a chance of, of doing something. Talking and doing a podcast with Tony Morley, he was telling me that Ron sat you down and says, look, we've got Peter with you now. I think we've got a chance. If we get above Liverpool, I think we can win this. What was the feeling like as champions going in to defend the uh, the title and having a, a bite at the European Cup because you'd only really brought in Andy Blair and one or two kids coming up from the youth. There wasn't much spending at Aston Villa at that time. Is that something that, with retrospect and looking back, was a little bit of a mistake? Would you have preferred to have seen another couple of players coming through with a bit more European um, experience? Uh not necessarily, because, yeah. you know, when I look back on, on the championship winning uh, season, you know, the, the football we played at times uh, was, 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 you know, outstanding. Yeah. And when you think of some of the teams we played, who had players who were internationals, yeah. and we didn't have any, mm-hmm. we were never left sort of worrying about it. You know, we never struggled against teams who had... You know, I mean, take Ipswich, you know, I mean, obviously they were chasing us for the title, but their side has, has been mentioned before. It was full of internationals, you know, English, Scottish, Dutch. You know, I mean, they had a team of internationals. We had nothing. But when you play against a team like Ipswich and you measure yourself against them, I always felt that we were just as equal. So... I don't think going into the season thinking we've got Europe. I think the important thing really was to try to get off to a good start. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which <laughs> was which was a, which was a disaster. Yeah, yeah. Really just. I, I mean, I, you know, as I said earlier, the, the league programme it was for us it was a disaster compared to the season mm-hmm. before, you know. And uh, you know, to lose against the team that had got promoted from, you know, the second division as it was then, uh, Notch County. Yeah. Uh, to lose one nil in the first game at all, uh, it, it, that was it. I mean, because and I tell you why it was diff- difficult to take because I thought we'd had a really good pre-season again. Mm. Uh, we'd been in the the uh, this Community Shield against Tottenham, two yeah, two, which yeah. we we drew to all. Mm. Uh, but I think you know, from my point of view, I thought things were looking pretty good for from to get a good start, but. Well, I think we, we won one game in nine games yeah. at the start of that season. We won six games in 25 games in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Disaster. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when you when we when we also go back to the season before, if you remember that statistic, we played 14 lo- sort of local Midland derbies. Mm-hmm. We won 11 and drew three. The following season, we've only won seven. We've lost five of them yeah. and drawn three. Yeah, so we've 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 lost our way a little bit uh, during the the sort of the, the heavy battles of, of local derbies. Uh, but you're always you're always a team to be knocked down. You're the you're always the team now where everyone wants to say, well, we'll measure ourselves now against last year's champions. But we never came up playing in the league to that kind of level. And I I know we brought Andy Blair in, but I still think with what we had, we had good young players. You know, uh, Brendan Ormsby was coming through. Uh, 
obviously Gordon Cowens now was getting stronger and better all the time. Gary Shaw now was getting stronger and better all the time. You know, I think uh, I think Terry Donovan was another player yes, he was. that we brought in. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and Teddy Bullivant was another one. Yeah. Yeah, we brought in as well. But, you know, they, the thing was, is if you look at Terry, Terry was a central midfield player, right? But Terry didn't play like I played. Terry liked to, 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 to play in midfield and just, you know, play the ball about from that position. When I played and and Des and me and Des, we were we would make that extra man forward. We'd get beyond the forward, so we we would cause teams more problems with our runs. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Teddy would be trying to do that with the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so there was a big difference. I mean, Andy was a similar player. Andy Blair. Andy was similar to Terry in a way. You know, was a was a was wanted to play more yeah. in the midfield area, and not be particular looking to get, you know, make runs forward, which was always the, which was a thing that I believe was our ace in the all really the season before, because, you know, we, we, we caused teams a lot of problems with the runs that we were making. And also the fact that Gordon Cowens was supplying so much, so many good balls forward. Yeah. That we, that we were able to do them knowing that we would get the ball. So, you know, that was, that was an important cog in our team so trying to replace like for like when when someone was out of the team yeah that that was that was always going to be difficult from ron's point of view but he tried he tried to bring in players who he felt you know would 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 be able to keep the momentum going yeah but but at the same time it, it meant that there was an adjustment to the way we played yeah but uh, but in taking that that was never taken away from the ability of those players, Paul. Yeah, yeah? you know, Ron Ron bought players because he thought they could do a job. Mm. He didn't just go out and and spend money. You know, I mean, I think the big thing he said about Liverpool was that Liverpool would always buy a couple of of players who supposedly were going to put pressure on the players that were in the team. Yeah, yeah. But if you read Bob Paisley's book. <laughs> It's quite interesting sometimes. They bought players only because they wanted to avoid tax at yes, the end of the season. Indeed, yeah. You know? Absolutely. So, yeah. so some of the players he actually bought, they had all the, they had like three hundred thousand pound, which now do they pay tax or they, they go and spend it on a player? Yeah. So they spend it on a player, but that player then, as soon as the season started, would be sold because he wasn't really bought to play in the first team. He was yeah. there now to stop them paying tax that that tax year. So it's 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 interesting, you know, how teams did it. But everyone thought that, you know, Liverpool they'd buy a couple of players who would immediately put some of the other players in the team under a bit of pressure to make them keep playing hard and playing, you know, sort of one hundred percent. But you know, I I personally I feel that, you know, as a player, you've got your own pride, you've got your own standards. So if you drop below those standards, you should know yourself. You don't need someone to tell you. Yeah. And so I think Ron, you know, if I think he felt that what he had, the nucleus of his team with the, the good young players coming through, getting better and stronger all the time. I just um, think he thought he'd had enough. 
Yeah, and Mark Walters was another one, wasn't he, that was uh, ready to break Mark through was, into that team. Yeah, Mark, yeah, Mark came, I think, more in the next season. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, when we were, again, playing in Europe, uh, and we got, you know, to the quarterfinal the following year, lost to Juventus. But Mark started to make his way forward, really, uh, that following year. Mm. But you'd got those young'uns coming through because Villa have always had a good a good academy I mean back then it probably wasn't known as an academy but they were uh, they were youth team players but they'd always had a good crop and always coming through a little bit like Liverpool if you like that's a very good example um you did touch upon you had no international players in your team but that wasn't because of a lack of ability. That was only because the England manager or the Scotland manager or whatever manager didn't pick you. Because all you players could have played international level because you were you were all of that level. So um, when I look at Ipswich, had a team of internationals. Yeah, they were a good team. But Villa were, for me, a better team. And Howard Kendall, when I was doing the interview with, uh, with Tony Morley, Howard Kendall said... Villa's midfield four was the best midfield four in the country by a mile. And I'd echo that because it had absolutely everything. It had yourself, it had Des, it had Sid and it had Tony Morley. And I think that if you put those four in any team today, <laughs> you would still be as great today as what you was back then, Dennis. I, I, I think we'd, we we would have had to have changed the way we played, though, Paul, in midfield. Uh, Possibly. You, you know the way the game's played now. It's it's. It, it, I think a lot of it is playing out from the back and centre-offs playing the ball into midfield. But they don't play the ball into midfield at the time. They're actually already in midfield, yeah. the centre-offs. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. so, if you watch the way England play, I feel that the two centre-offs have more passes than any other players on the pitch for England. Yeah, yeah. I do. Because the, the ball always seems to be going... From one side of the pitch to the other, yeah, and it's in that midfield area where it happens because a lot of teams just drop off, yeah, yeah, and and get behind the ball. So your midfield players, in a way, are, are, the, the sort of type of midfield player that that we were. I don't think we would have been able to play the game today because, for one thing, one of the one of our players was obviously me and Des trying to get behind defenders from the opposition mm. well if you look at defenders these days they're so far back yeah <laughs> when they defend yeah, it's very true that was that was going to be difficult and to be honest you know when we when we start talking about the final against Bayern I think that was one of the ways one of the reasons why we didn't we didn't penetrate as much in that game as we'd done in previous games because they played so deep. Yeah. That the like the runs I would try to make or the runs Dead tried to make, we just couldn't get there. Yeah. Because it was too far up. Mm. Uh, they were too far back, so we we never got in a situation where we got behind them. And I think, yeah, that the only time we did get behind them in the game, there might have been others, but there weren't too many. The only time we really get got behind him was when Tony got into this uh, penalty area and pulled that ball back for Peter, who slotted it into the back of the net. Yeah. And I wouldn't be too far off saying that was probably one of not many times we actually got behind him. Mm. 
So and we scored the goal. So you know, th- I think that was a it was a difficult game for us. Uh, I think in midfield because of the way they played, and I reckon they they'd done their own work on us. Yeah, they must have done. You know, because uh, I don't know whether that was the way they played all the time. We didn't have any footage of them. This we had the no thing idea back in those days how they played. Yeah. So we, I can't, I can't remember. You know, ever sitting down in a meeting with Tony once we knew we were in the final, and and looking at any videos or even Tony telling us how they played. Yeah. So I, I can't remember having seen them play their semi-final. To be honest. No, yeah. I must admit, I can't. But you played your first game on the 16th of September. FC Valor over Reklovic. How did you feel when you got drawn out of the hat to an Icelandic team? Well, I think it was a bonus. Yeah. Uh, the reason I say that, Paul, is because, you know, we could have so easily done what Forrest did in their first year in the, in the European Cup and, and drew Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and gone out of the tournament. Yeah. yeah, we might not have done, but I'm just saying. Yes. I, I just felt that the draw was great for us. Nice really, draw. yeah. You know, and I'd, okay, we didn't know anything about them, but you know, coming from coming from Iceland, you wouldn't expect them to be a great team. They'd have ability, but yeah. you know, they're they're not going to have the same. They're not they're not going to train as hard as we do. They're not going to they're not going to play the type of football that we play. You know, week in and week out. You know, so. From my point of view, I just I think most of the lads, I think we thought, well, you know, this is a, this is a good draw for us. Mm. Yeah. And it proved to be. Yeah. Uh, especially at home. You know, I think we're all looking forward to it. I suppose really the again, Paul, the disappointment of it was the attendance. Yes, twenty thousand four hundred and eighty one. Yeah. I, I looked yeah. at that and I thought, wow, yeah. that's yes. low, why? Yeah. Well, mm. we, we all know that even the season before now. Yeah. How difficult a time Birmingham was going through with yeah. job losses and yeah. you know and strikes and everything and th- there was uh, you know it, it wasn't a good time for workers. It wasn't. So no. I I, I think know. you know going into that I mean people probably would have play, uh, supporters would have bought their season tickets but in those days I don't know whether European games would have been included in it. Hundred so, percent no. Yeah, definitely. No, not. So, so maybe the fans just thought, well, you know, the early rounds should have been included in the season ticket. But if you read the stories, you know, and uh, around that time, the club was, you know, uh, in a lot of debt. Yes. Yeah, and it was a worry. It was a worry from Ron, you know, when uh, you know you, you you read the stories that were going round about how much they were in debt and everything. I think it was over one million at the time. Now. That doesn't seem much today, does it? You know, it's billions now that they're in debt, like uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid. But mm. a million was a lot of money then, and and I'd read a report where you know it, you know, Ron was being asked questions about would he have to sell his star players? Yeah. And you know, I mean, this is coming after winning the league, and he's being asked questions because of the, you know, the fact that there's there's a big debt. You know whether he'd have to sell his best players, and you know Ron would say, "Well, not. I, why would I want to sell my best players?" Mm. Yeah, and he wouldn't even talk about the money because he it didn't bother him. Yeah, he sort of uh, he knew what he wanted, uh, and he managed the club in a way. So he was aware of he was he was quite clever from a money monetary point of view. So he would have had his finger on the pulse, but he knew what he knew what was possible 
Uh, and there was no way that he would have sold players uh, from that minute. But, you know, we, we ended up 5-0 winners. That was a good start. Uh, you know, and, and Teddy, Von, Teddy Donovan played in that game instead of Shawsy. Yes, got uh, two goals because Gary was injured, he wasn't he? He was injured, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, Peter Peter got Peter, Peter got a couple. And Tony Morley got these. I mean, we started quite bright. As Tony scored in the sixth minute. You know, so that was a, a good start for us. Get settled down. Uh, it was probably a, a lovely evening as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, a nice a nice September evening. Uh, the pitch would have been in great condition. Uh, so, so you know, it was it. We I always liked playing midweek games uh, in you know in those early stages because you know the, the first game usually was played in red hot sunshine. Which uh, when we when we played, I remember playing against uh, Notts County in that first game. You know, it was a hot day again, and you know you sometimes feel like you'd la- you'd rather it was wet and windy instead of being hot and sunny. Yeah. You know, but no excuses. But this was a this was a great night. You know, I think it was a quite a, a, a sunny evening uh, and a great result for us. Uh, so what we had there was to look forward to the away gig, which was more interesting uh, because of where we had to go. Ice, fishy smells, and uh, yes. <laughs> yes. what 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 a journey that would have been, wouldn't it? To, uh, to uh, how did you get there did, by boat or did you get there by a, a single engined aeroplane? What was the journey like there to Valor? Well, apparently, and uh, uh, this is these are Rob's words, yeah, yeah, we chartered an Icelander, yeah, Icelander Boeing 727, right? Okay, yeah. and we we landed at the United States Air Force Base at Kefal, uh, Kefal. Kef Levick, yeah, <laughs> Monday afternoon in late September, yeah. Uh, and as the impression that we, we had there, and this is this is a quote from Gary Shaw. He said, when we arrived in Iceland, it was like landing on the moon, he remembers. <laughs> the place was covered in rocks and black dust, which was totally alien to us. I'd never seen anything like it. Well, Gary Shaw would have seen anything like this because he lived in Birmingham, didn't he? Gary Shaw lived down the road from me and we went to the yes. same school. So Gary living in Meriden Drive, it would have been yes. like landing on the moon. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah so so they, that, that, that was, you know, so we get there, you know, but I think it was, uh, I, th- I think the, the, the real impression then was about how cold it was, yeah. the cold, cold wind. You know, and, and, and some of the lads, you know, it was they were, they were really feeling it. Uh, and there's a there's a little quote here from about about Ivor Linton, who oh, was okay. with the who was with the party. Yeah, he says. Uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to think. It was one of the subs was saying I was sitting on the bench next to Ivor Linton, and the gel in his hair started to freeze. <laughs> yeah. And you can imagine that, couldn't you? You know. Being so cold, like being like being out on a cold day, icy day, and you know your sort of nose is dripping, and it starts oh. to sort of get a, a little bit a bit a bit icy under your nose, like an icicle. But it was it was cold. But the fish thing was the was the the off-putting thing because we, when we played the game, uh, it was blowing down. The smell was coming, and it was blowing down the pitch. So, and it it, it never went away. Yeah, it was there all the time, the whole game. So the impressions 
the impressions we got from our first trip abroad in Europe. Yeah. In some ways, you could say that playing the law and going yeah, to Iceland, at least the at least the hotels that we stayed or the hotel we stayed in was decent. Yeah. When we move on to Berlin <laughs> and Russia, well, <laughs> nightmares, yeah, wouldn't they? Yeah, I'd rather be going back to Iceland <laughs> than going to those places. Yeah, oh yeah. my life! You know, but but listen, we we got through it, and I think I think I remember a quote that I read from their chairman after the game, after we'd beaten them five nil. Yeah, I think there was a, a quote from their chairman said, "Well." Just wait until we get them back to our pitch, you know. And we've won the game 5-0 and he's quoting something like this, yeah. He was a bit optimistic. Yeah, a, but, a bit uh, optimistic, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but listen, you know, it was uh, we were we were through to the next round. So that was two games yeah. out of nine. Is that all we were going to play to get to the final? Yeah, it was nine games. Yeah, so... 13 goals scored. Yes. And only two conceded. Yes. Yes. To and they were the, and they were by and they were by the same team as next well. Next opponents, two. Dynamo yes. Berlin. Yes. So yeah. you've um you've come on the back. You, you you're happy there. You've gone into the draw for the next round. You've drawn Dynamo Berlin. Uh, by the way, before you went to uh, Velour, you played uh, Manchester United at home. And Liverpool away, so that was a nice little uh, either side. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think we we drew both those games, didn't we? Uh, you did one one. Sid scored yes. at Man uh, against Man United, nil yes. nil against Liverpool. You drew yes. your next game before you went for the second leg, Birmingham City nil nil, and you yes. drew the game after against Leeds United away one yes. one. So so you'd won in Europe, but you drew both sides of the European yes. tie. Uh, in the football league, and I think that was the theme, wasn't it? It wasn't as though you were getting beaten and beaten heavily. You were just no. drawing games yeah. and not being able to finish off teams uh, like you uh, you did so successfully the season before. So you've got Dynamo Berlin. What was your ideas about Berlin? Because we we had the wall up in those days, didn't we? We did. Yeah. Yeah. It hadn't so, come down so... yet, had it? No, no, no. So when you when you when you look back on it, yeah, we're going to a place where it's obviously behind the Iron Curtain, mm. uh, and what we know about the Iron Curtain is is that from from watching televisions, like you know, the spy who came in from the cold and everything. Yeah, and that one, John. Yeah, you know all the, all those all those uh, films of you know of sort of uh, spies and everything that you've seen. It always looked a very drab. Uh, uh, the kind of place where you just wouldn't want to go. Yeah. There was what I would say about Berlin, and also this applied to the Russian as well, is that there was no colour there, Paul. Yeah. Cold you know, like, any. Well, yeah. the fact that we were going in, you know, like the the second game now was in October uh, against Berlin, so we're now into sort of early winter yeah. and in in places like Berlin and obviously Kiev you know they're they we're really getting into the winter time and there's there's just no color mm. I I was just amazed by the lack of like all the cars were black <laughs> yeah 
or grey, you know. But but there was there was there was no like there'd be no trees, you know. There's no autumn no autumn leaves or anything like that, and mm-hmm. all all the buildings are, are very drab and look run down and everything. So it's a uh, it it. It it wasn't a place you'd want to go on holiday too long. But yeah. I think you'd, you'd you'd probably find yourself sort of uh, trying to climb that wall as quickly <laughs> as you could to get out. You can understand why when you look at the stereotypical East German or Russian that they've never got smiles on their faces. It's it's quite understandable because it must be like a war of attrition just getting through a. 24-hour period in a drab, dull and desperate standard of living that uh, they seem to live in in those days. And to be fair, some of them probably still do to this day now. Mm. No, it was, you know, the, the Wayne smiles. I think, you know, mm. when, when they would look at us, they would be looking at like as if they were looking at aliens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, from another planet. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, and so, and so, from that point of view, you know, you, you, you really wanted to be friendly with people, but they didn't want to be friendly back. Yeah. You know that. I suppose there'd be too much suspicion that, you know, you, if you touch them now, they, they, they think now you've given them some kind of disease. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because you've coming, you're coming from a, you are coming from a different landscape altogether. Yeah. And how much they knew about the other side. I wouldn't know. Yeah. yeah. You know, did, did they did they see, you know, sort of uh, news stories about what was happening in the West? You know, even just what was happening on the other side of the wall. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so were they, were they in touch with what was happening uh, in the rest of the world? Oh, 100%. 100%. No. I remember Ron, mm-hmm. that he took his uh, Albion team to China and he was telling me that they were taken around by some fella in a like grey boiler suit from the party who was a right miserable yes. piece. He says yeah. by by the end of like when Albion come back to Birmingham, the bloke was in tears when they went. He, I don't think he'd ever seen anything like that in his life. And I'm guessing that East Germany and Russia would be exactly the same. They they they're just living their own little East German and and uh, Iron Curtain kind of bubble, if you like. Yeah, I think. You know, when we, uh, it's quite interesting as well, you know, the game. So so we played uh, the first game away uh, and we won 2-1. Uh, and the, Tony got both goals, Tony Morley. Great goals. And he, yeah, his second one in the 86th minute. Yeah, was just reading Rob's report here. It was, uh, it was subsequently voted goal of the season by the Midland Soccer Writers. Yes. Yeah. So, and it was a great goal. It was it was what I would call a typical Tony Morley goal. Yeah. Once Tony got playing in the first team, which he had done the season before, he was able to express himself uh, in a way that he'd done, you know, previously when he was playing for Burnley, because that was why Ron brought him to the yeah. football club, because what he could do. And it was, uh, you know, so Tony... Now is getting that award for goal of the season by the Midland Soccer Writers. The follow-on from the the season before when he got goal of the season on the BBC, yeah, match of the day. So he was, uh, <laughs> you know, he he did he did have his worth, you might say, all, and he did he did play his part, yeah, from that point of view. 
uh, you know, but it was, I think the most interesting thing about Tony's goals, and you, you'll have read this, and I think a lot of people will have heard Tony talk about this, yeah, but uh, it was, he had this thing with Ron, he had this sort of uh, uh, situation with Ron. Where, the dreaded Anthony. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> you know, anyway, he said, uh, he, he said, Tony says here, I had a bit of a go with Ron, Morley calls. I was trying a few things and he said, you'll never score two goals in a match because you're too flash. (laughs) So after I scored my second, I ran past the dugout and stuck two fingers up to him. I was just trying to tell him I'd scored twice. At least that's the story I'm sticking to. (laughs) He, He didn't say a word to me after the game or for about a week afterwards. Then he called me into his office and said, those were the best two goals I've ever seen. And by the way, I'm finding you, I'm finding you a week's wages. At least he gave it to charity. That's Tony's story. Yeah. And he, he loves that story. Yeah. And, uh, I, I couldn't tell you whether it's true or not, but it's a, it's a great story really, because he did have this, he did have this, uh, this sort of ongoing sort of love hate relationship with Ron. Yeah, but I think it was just all Ron's psychology, really. Yeah, it was because listening to you guys and talking to you guys and reading about Villa and reading about Saunders, the guy was an absolute genius. He knew how to and what buttons to press. And with Sid, with Gary Shaw, and with Tony Morley, the younger players in the team, he would just wind them up. But he'd done the same with Brian Little. Remember Brian telling me? Yeah. He used to yeah. sit, sit in the uh, in the office or the dressing room and run saunas and run and say, do you know what? I, 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 I want to punch you in the face. It's true. You know, I mean, yeah. th- these are the kind of stories that, you know, you read in the books that mm-hmm. they've written, like yeah, Brian Bush yeah. and all that, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I... I I'm one of those. I'm one of those guys that you know. In all the time I was at Villa, and that was ten years. Yeah. Yeah. And okay, Ron, you know, wasn't there for the last couple of years that mm-hmm. I was at the football club. But but sometimes the stories I read about how hard uh, the training was and everything at Villa, yeah, and 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 how Ron, you know, really sort of worked as hard from that point of view. Yeah. I I didn't see that. Mm. I was never in agreement with that. Yeah, because I. I felt I'd come from Coventry City where I'd run harder without the ball than I ever did at Villa. Villa. Mm. Yeah. And so I I was, and you know, I I also, when I read where people thought that we were super fit and, you know, that was the thing that uh, won the championship for us. Again, I, I, I would, I would rubbish that Paul by saying we were fit. Yeah. Uh, But, but we also had ability Oh, 100%. In the, in the team. Yeah. And it wasn't just the fact that we were fit mm. and we could run teams off the park because that's a fallacy because there was games, you know, which we lost. Well, if we were fit and would run teams off, the, why did we ever lose a game? Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was something I, I just felt that got linked to Ron because he liked the myth yeah. of people saying that he was an hard man and he trained us mm. like a sergeant major. Yeah. Yeah. And from my point of view, I never saw that. I saw it totally different because of my previous club where I felt I did a lot more running without a ball mm. than I ever did when I was a Villa Park. Because I felt when we were, when I was a Villa, Ron tried to get us to use the ball more than ever. 
you know, in in small sided games. When I say small sided games, we play on half a pitch. Yeah, it'd be like eight v eight. Yeah, and there wasn't a lot of room, but you, so you had to play quickly. Yeah, yeah, and you had to play uh, with a lot of accuracy. Uh, but I also felt in those days as well that was, uh, you know, that everyone wanted to win in training. Yeah, and there's a, there's always this mantra where you know, you know about about training and playing if you don't train like you play how can you just turn it on mm. but you can't it's yeah. not possible you know and uh, and so that was that was an important part of ron and i think this kidology that ron had yeah with a lot with the reporters as well as the players yeah i never experienced that myself mm. yeah but obviously i've got to take brian's word for it i've got to take tony's word for it you know but when I do take the word for it, you know, I sometimes think like with Tony, yeah, it's a great story and uh, you keep telling it. Yeah, I, I think they're all 100% true. Um, yeah. I think the thing the thing is with, with you, you were the captain, you were you, you were older. And I think with, with Saunders, he, he, he just knew what buttons to press and he'd press them. And Brian would say, well, if it makes you feel better, boss, do it. And he would yeah. wind Saunders yeah. up then. So, but he would yeah. he would do things. And Brian said in in my management, when I was a manager, I look back, and I've done a lot of things that Ron Saunders done to me, and and it made more sense me as a manager. And Andy Gray tells similar stories about Ron Saunders as well. Yeah, and you absolutely. know, he, he just he just had a way, and, and I think was a fantastic manager, a genius of a manager. And managers like that do have their special ways of doing it, and that's why they're successful. That's what makes them different from the rest. You're right. I think getting back to that the game, uh, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. There was also a really important uh, episode as well. If you remember, Jimmy Rimmer saved the penalty. It was a fantastic save, but how mad a save was it as well, Dennis? Because I know, I know. He hits the post. Yes. And then he hits, he hits Jimmy Rimmer on the feet and then mm. bounces back out so it makes the ball live again. Yes. yes. Normal, normally, you'd hit that there. I've watched it a hundred times. You'd hit that ball, you hit the post, bounce back out, and the ball's dead. Mm. But yeah. He hits him on the back of the heels. I know, I know. But he, it, because the, the guy got to the rebound, but yeah. he's, uh, Jimmy's, Jimmy's actually it's managed to get his leg to it and it's looped over the bar. So... If that had been, I mean, to be honest as well, it was a penalty decision which should never have been a decision. Yeah. yeah so, but but listen, we 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 lived, we lived, we come away from that game two one. Yeah. And uh, I mean, this is a quote from me. So the lasting the lasting impression of the Berlin team is their athleticism, mm. pace and strength were big factors in their game, but they also had a lot of ability. They were very strong and were good runners with the ball. So we had to be on our toes. We went about it in the right way, defending in depth and then looking to hit them on the break. Tony's goal was a classic counter-attack. And that, that just summed it up, really, you know, because I think what one of the things you always, I felt, that when you go behind the Iron Curtain, you know you're going to come up against super fit players. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I, yeah, and they were, they mm -hmm. were, yeah. you know, they were main, I, I mean, they were probably we probably played against their international team. Yeah, yeah, you know. And the other interesting thing was is that 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 we noticed was that there were so many, 
soldiers who were at the game. Yeah, they were all the knights. Not, <laughs> yeah, not just in the Berlin game. Yeah. But but in in the Kiev game in in Russia, it actually seemed as if everybody in the ground was a soldier. Yeah. It seemed that way. They yeah. probably were, Dennis. It might have been. Yeah. But they were all they were all they were all suited in their uniforms. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know whether he expected that they might have trouble on the pitch and we need all those... <laughs> all the terraces, around. but we'll leave yeah. that to Anderlecht. <laughs> yeah, you know, to sort us out. Yeah. I mean, but, they'll uh, say, well, yeah. well, wasn't there any trouble in Berlin or Kiev? Well, you ain't going to... If you're going to cause any <laughs> trouble there, it's going to be Anderlecht in Brussels. Yes. Well, in Belgium, isn't it? I mean, yes. dear me. But again, what I loved about that goal from Tony Morley, I mean, the first goal, that volley, fantastic. But the second goal, the way Gary Shaw made that run, he made the run, created the space, and then it just gave Tony a free run there and he just set off like a, a whippet or a greyhound that's just seen the rabbit. No, it was a, it was a great run, you know. Brilliant. It, was, it was typical Tony, yeah, you know. To, brilliant. You know, 85th minute where yeah. you look at maybe a tyrant, yeah, yeah. because, you know, it, it was a physical game. You know, it was tough, but... Uh, so, so you know, he would have been doing his part for us, uh, and then you know we he, he gets 85th minute, gets an opportunity to to break, uh, and then it was he's he's in there scoring a great goal, uh, you know, and, and and really giving us that lead that we we needed, yeah. Because as you as we well know, you know, away goals would count as double in the case of a draw, yeah, and that would be pro- that would prove to be from our point of view, the deciding factor because we would lose at home one nil. Uh but but the fact that we'd got the away goals, there was no there was no extra time. Yeah, there was nothing, mm. you know, for, for us to worry about now. We lose one nil, we're through. Yeah. You know, so uh that was I suppose it was pleasing that we got through. You know, we're we're overjoyed. Uh but I suppose losing at home one nil it, you know, at times uh, they scored in the 14th minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we had a long time to go before the end of the game. And I'm sure there would have been other opportunities for their team, but obviously opportunities for us as well. Yeah. Uh, but we, 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 we weren't able to score. But, but you know, from our point of view, yeah, it was uh, it was an ideal win. And, you know, we're through to the next round. And the interesting thing then is that, <laughs> within the quarterfinals, Paul. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> way. And, oh, and, my yeah, God. yeah, and the next game's not until March. Yeah, the third. So we can now safely start thinking to ourselves. Well, you know, let's get on with the league and let's start winning a few games. Yeah, mm. but uh, the other thing about that year, if you remember, it was the uh, it was when the it was three points a win. Yes, it was. Yeah, you know, so it. Uh, it, 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 I think from our point of view, uh, that was a you know drawing all those games. It was losing two points and not one. Yeah, yeah. So you know, you know it was, that's uh, County yeah. done the double over yeah. you that year. Yeah, yeah, they did because we beat them now in the cup. In the FA Cup, you beat them six nil. Yeah, but the the game. It's mad, isn't it? But then it was mad because we played them at their ground and beat them six nil on a really good yeah. day. In winter, January the, the follow, yeah, the following week, which was the FA Cup third round, yeah. Yeah, it was the weather had turned for the worst, and it was a frozen pitch, Paul. 
and we should never have played on it. Yeah. They wouldn't let players play on a pitch nah. like that today. Yeah. Yeah. But you see, they had this thing about, you know, referees. Referees had to make those decisions, but they don't have to run around on that pitch after twist and turn. Yeah. But also, it's our career. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they won 1 0. Yeah. And I think the game was an absolute farce. And yeah. We kept on saying to the referee, "Look, you got you got to cancel this. You got to you got to you got to postpone this. This is not right." Mm. And he must have seen that it, it, there was no way we could that, that football could be played. It was a lottery. But you know, it's it's. I, I just felt there should have been a better way of of the referee deciding that that game yeah should have been played mm. because. You know, I don't think he took. I don't think he took into consideration, yeah, our health and safety. I don't think they ever did back in those days, Dennis. I no. mean, today no. you're right. Today you'd look at that pitch pitch inspection. Absolutely mm. no chance of of getting that game started, let alone getting it finished. It would have just been uh, postponed. But you know, back in them days, we did play in icy pitches. They'd say, well. Take them, uh, take the Steelers out and put some rubbers on. We're playing. <laughs> you're having Absolutely. a laugh. You're having a laugh, ain't you? So we've got through to the FA Cup. Wonderful win against Nuts County, and then we're getting through to February, and then there's a meeting of the directors. And as Bendel said, it wasn't a vote of no confidence in Ron Saunders. But the day after, on the 9th of February, and a town called Malice from the Jam was number one. Ron leaves Villa Park. What was that like for you players? You must have been in a state of shock. It was. It was a total shock, Paul. Uh, I, I remember Ron had phoned me the night before and said there was a problem at the club. Yeah. Uh, and But there's no way I'm going to resign. Yeah. So see you tomorrow at training. But I didn't see Ron the next day at training. Mm. For some reason, he decided to go, and you know, the next thing we know, and because the other thing, Paul, I don't, I, I don't remember Ron turning up at the training ground the next day to say goodbye. Right. I don't remember. I, I, I can't remember us having a sit down with Ron, where he's explained to us that he's resigning, mm. and he's off. Yeah. I think he, he just resigned and that was it. He never came back again. Yeah. You didn't... If anything... No, he didn't come to the... I, I, can't, I can't remember him coming to the ground, the training ground. No. Did he phone you up after that conversation? How late in the day was it when you'd see you tomorrow, uh, Dennis? No, so... this was the, even, the evening before. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, how yeah. late in the evening? So, what had happened Oh, yeah, it was, it was from like, that. Yeah. Probably about eight o'clock sort yeah. of something like that. Yeah. And he would know, have gone to was... bed probably at ten, eleven o'clock. So what happened in them three hours that made him change his mind? Must have well, been a with Bendel. Yeah, he's he's had he's he's he continued his convers yeah, he's continued he continued his conversation, isn't he? Yeah, yeah he, he must have done. Must have. And then and then he's he's not you know, Bendel's and Ron have decided that, you know, uh, neither of them is gonna uh sort of back down. Yeah. Uh, and Ron has done the thing which he thinks is the only way. Whether he was calling the bluff, I don't know. But, you know, Mr. Bendel didn't take it that way. He thought, well, OK, if you want to leave, Ron, you can go. Yeah. So the, Just incredible. You know, the reason, obviously, the reason he left, Ron's never really discussed it. You know, you can, you know, in that 
book about Ron and you know, out uh, uh, out here on it. What was it called again? Uh, it's called the Ron's the, book. The, the Odd Man Out by Grant. The Odd Man Out, yeah. Because yeah. I, I did read it. I've read that. You know, yeah. in, in that book, there's no there's no definitive answer. Mm. Yeah, there's, there's there's plenty of speculation because yeah. obviously Ron Ron's only quoted from what he quoted to the press. He's never quoted to the guy who wrote it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. all, it's all, you know, sort of what the guys picked up, you know, from the newspapers at the yeah. time. So Ron, Ron, Ron doesn't have to have any input in that book, mm. yeah. Besides what is written by what he's actually said before, so you don't really know, yeah, uh, what, what, uh, what's gone on between the pair of them, and neither of them was quite was happy enough to say, well, this is why Ron's gone, mm. or Ron turning around and saying, this is why I'm left. And thanks for listening to part one of this episode with Dennis Mortimer. Part two, coming shortly. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.